Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. I'm Brian Zimmerman with Becker's Healthcare. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Tim Brown and Ryan Blackwell. Tim Brown joined AWS in April 2022 as the Global Healthcare Customer Lead for AWS Marketplace. His 20 plus years of senior executive experience in global healthcare roles and unique combination of healthcare strategy, execution, and transformation is instrumental in driving alignment with AWS's customers, partners, and industry needs. As a leader of cloud operations at Tufts Medicine, Ryan Blackwell and his team within the Cloud Center of Excellence have achieved a major milestone. They're the first health system in the world to successfully host their electronic health record in AWS. This groundbreaking accomplishment is just the first step in their mission to fully transition all on-premises data centers to AWS within the next 36 months. With over 20 years of experience in participating in leading clinical digital transformations for some of the nation's top academic medical centers, Ryan has a proven track record of effectively managing contracts and budgets exceeding $320 million annually, ensuring compliance with general accounting rules and practices. Currently, Tufts Medicine is centralizing relevant IT procurement through the AWS marketplace and implementing cost-saving measures aligned with AWS's best practices, resulting in a 40% plus decrease in budgeted spending for fiscal year 2022 in just the past six months. This has allowed for a more efficient and agile procurement process, seamlessly aligning business needs with contract engagements. Tim and Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the invite. It's a pleasure to be on the call. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Appreciate being here and appreciate you hosting this. Well, it's great to have you both here. And let's dive right in here. So I want to start by sort of trying to unpack the term digital transformation. It is, of course, broad. Um, I'm curious if you could narrow down this term a bit for listeners. In your opinion, what are the most significant tech-driven transformations happening in healthcare today? Tim, let's start with you here. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Uh, Digital transformation, it's the process that an organization applies to integrate digital technology in all areas of the business, fundamentally changing how it delivers value to the customers. Healthcare organizations adopt uh, innovative digital technologies to make cultural and operational shifts that adapt better to the changing customer demands out there. The most significant tech-driven transformations typically result in cost reduction, improved scalability, coupled with resiliency and a foundation for innovation. Thank you, Tim. Ryan, can you build on that? Does that does what Tim shared uh, resonate with you? Is there is there stuff you would add? It does resonate. I I would agree with you, Brian. I I hear and read the term digital transformation a lot. It's a broad term. Um, from my lens, let's try to be as specific as possible. I view digital transformation for healthcare to include some of the following. The first is availability. We wanna build highly available fault tolerant workloads um, that have uh, seamless and automated business continuity capability. Uh, Our goal is to maintain an uptime of five nines, 99.999% for all of our workloads. Very difficult, but that's the goal. The workloads in healthcare simply have to be available when the patients need them. Um, Attached to availability, of course, is data durability. We wanna build a ransomware resistant architecture um, and have a full inventory of all of our applications for as close to a zero potential data loss as possible and a recovery point objective of less than three hours for everything that we host. Um, We're not there yet, but that's the goal. 
Uh, third is cost optimization, managing a cloud consumption model for the total cost of ownership for infrastructure is 50% less than our on-premise counterparts. Um, and we wanna continue to scale those and refactor those cloud-based workloads so we're always achieving the highest quality and the lowest cost. The fourth kind of specific around digital transformation is security. Um, configuring and operating workloads that have full encryption at rest and in transit. We wanna have identity and access management into our infrastructure for the concept of least privilege. We wanna have embedded malware detection and mitigation. And then we want automated machine learning compliance checks for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and the others. When I think of digital transformation past those specifics, then there's a term that kind of resonates with me, and that's AI ops, uh, artificial intelligence for IT operations. It's the use of machine learning and AI algorithms to automate and optimize IT operation tasks. Incident management, performance monitoring, capacity planning would be some of those. I wanna improve the efficiency and the effectiveness of our IT operations using data, data-driven insights and predictive analytics. So often we receive requests from parts of our organization and the decisions we make uh, on those workloads or quarterly you know, budget planning or, or annual or five-year roadmaps are based off of assumptions. And we wanna base it off of data. And we think AI ops will do that. To give a practical example uh, of this, hospitals rely on physiological monitoring at a patient's bedside. Uh, in the unfortunate event, if a patient needs immediate assistance, a critical alert uh, is sent from that patient's physiological monitoring to the care teams in the hospitals carrying their, their mobile phones. In an on-premise world, there can be up to 40 to 60 failure points for that life-saving workflow. Due to existing technical debt for on-premise data centers, the physiological monitoring servers or the critical alerting solutions uh, might be on end of life, end of support, end of capacity infrastructure. Maybe they don't have backups or you don't have offsite backups or they're not air gapped. Um, some of those operating systems may be, you know, end of support, not pasturable. You know, maybe you don't have a test environment, no failover. By hosting patient clinical alerts in the AWS cloud, we've eliminated over 30 technology stacks of failure. Um, all systems have mirrored business continuity in two AWS availability zones, and we have multi-region disaster recovery. We have five copies of backups that are immutable, air-gapped, and encrypted. To me, that's digital transformation. Today, if a baby who's only hours old and whose breathing is being supported by a bed ventilation system and the critical alert solution whose servers are in the cloud, then it's by all measures safer and less expensive than hosting these things on premise. In my opinion, digital transformation saves lives, and that's a pretty good example. Ryan, I really appreciate the, the specificity of the examples that you shared there. I, I think it really grounds digital transformation in a way that's 
that's easy for listeners to really comprehend, but it does it does lead me to want to pointedly ask a question uh, because a lot of the examples you shared, obviously, as you pointed out, sort of not possible in an on-premises world. So the, the follow-up question then is, can digital transformation in healthcare take place without a migration to the cloud? Tim, do you want do you want to jump in here and, and share your thoughts? Uh, that, that's such a great question, Brian. I, I really appreciate you asking that one. And, and the and the points that you made, Ryan, those were spot on. Just wonderful examples out there. Um, so to answer the question, no, I don't believe digital transformation can take place in healthcare without a migration to the cloud. Healthcare is a very unique environment. Typically, hospital organizations have hundreds of applications to support their complex business needs out there. And what we're seeing today is we're seeing a shift in how these vendors are making their products available to the marketplace. It used to be that these software and technology solutions were only available in an on-premise deployment because that's all that there was several years ago. What we've seen are those solution providers taking those on-premise solutions and making those available only in the cloud. And at the same time, we have new vendors that have emerged with wonderful solutions into the healthcare environment. And some of those new solutions are only available in the cloud. So given the heavy reliance on enterprise application solutions and their availability migrating or being only available in the cloud really limits the uh, the hospital's ability without a migration to the cloud. So I truly believe that migration to the cloud is absolutely critical for digital transformation. It's critical to stay current on your enterprise applications out there. And it's also a wonderful time to take a look at your business processes and practices to drive optimization, improve workflow, and deliver on outcomes with that migration to the cloud. Ryan, do you agree with Tim's assessment? What would you add there? Certainly. You know, there's a, a problem that I don't know how to solve. Um, if I'm running infrastructure for a hospital, I don't know how I could pay down the technical debt that's accumulating in my on-premise data centers. The reality is uh, our storage arrays are often at capacity. And to replace them, it's six, eight, 10, 12 million dollars to bring in new pack storage to accommodate the growth you have uh, in medical imaging. Um, the clock is ticking with operating systems that are no longer supported, but in healthcare, some of these are FDA devices. So it's not just a simple flip of the switch. Let's go to server 2008, 2012 to 2019. It, it doesn't work that way with our third-party vendors. Uh, you run out of capacity, you need new cabinets, you need new cement, you have to wire it, you have to you know, refresh your UPSs, your HVAC, your generators, huge capital investments at the same time that the healthcare industry is not um, uh, raking in profit at record amounts. Just the, the opposite is true given the pandemic and other market conditions. So there's the debt that you have to pay down, and there's no money in the annual budget to do that. At the same time, your organization is asking for new things, you know, tight integration amongst the hospital systems, integration between the biomedical devices in the hospital, and then the concepts of 
machine learning and AI for procurement. Those services and those data lakes and those advanced technologies take massive infrastructures and are very complex. So how do you pay down technical debt, eliminate your cat three, cat five cable, get out of unsupported operating systems, expand your storage arrays, and at the same time, try to bring machine learning and AI into your hospital supply chain. So I don't even know how that's possible to live in both worlds. When you go to the cloud, you can go greenfield. First, it's not a large upfront capital investment. It's hundreds of dollars or even thousands of dollars, but not even you know seven figures at that point to accomplish a modern healthcare posture, I don't know how you could stay in a data center world. Inevitably, you're gonna to have to go to the cloud. I, I don't know how else you would approach these problems. Thank you, Ryan. I think your comments, the next question will sort of um, hopefully, hopefully address one of the uh, attention you sort of identified there, which is this desire for and need, of course, for, for new and innovative things in the health system, but also budgetary constraints, fiscal constraints. And of course, CIOs are, are drivers of technology innovation at their health systems. And there, there are certainly some really powerful and compelling solutions, as Tim pointed out, emerging. Um, but, but in this current fiscal market, you know, they, they've got to be very discerning about what solutions they recommend for investment. So what types of technology integration should today's CIOs be prioritizing most and why? Um, Tim, do you want to get us going here again? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would say CIOs, they're really in a pretty tough position out there. Um, they need to balance the technical needs of the organization along with the business needs. And as they work to make that balance, they have to partner, partner closely with their business leaders to understand those needs. What are their short and long-term business needs out there? And they typically have a very strong governance process in place to aid the prioritization of both dollars and resources, because as Ryan said previously, dollars are very limited in healthcare today, and also resources to work on these new projects are also very limited. So these governance processes are absolutely critical. What I've seen over the last few years is the, the technical debt that Ryan mentioned, the aging infrastructure, performance challenges, the resiliency, security-related issues out there, application upgrades remain a top priority for IT. So the CIO has to maintain that technical infrastructure and deal with the technical debt, again, like Ryan said. But then they also have to focus in on those business leaders and the needs that are out there. And where I see dollars being spent are around prioritized solutions, focusing on employee and patient engagement or satisfaction, projects that are going to drive operational efficiencies, given the, the heavy staff constraints that are out there today. With all the systems that are in place within healthcare, the hundreds of systems, there's a lot of data in these various systems. They need to start to pull that data together in analytics or other solutions so that they can make decisions quickly that ultimately drive down cost savings out there. Thank you, Tim. And Ryan, I, you know, I'm, I'm struck in Tim the answer there sort of about how much of this is really centered on, uh, of course, staff and, and, the, and the people involved um, in, in the day-to-day -day operations at, at a health system. Um, what's your perspective here? 
CIOs and CTOs, we're all facing the same problems. Um, we have ever-growing FDE headcounts, uh, and we are continually reliant on external professional purchase services. And, and those financial commitments no longer fit within the organization budget targets that IT divisions are meant to back into. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there's seven or eight figure annual budget line items for infrastructure refreshes for these end of life, end of support, end of capacity hardware. Um, there's a significant fear that every time the phone rings from our IT incident managers that we've been affected by ransomware. Um, and when that wave of panic hits us, we have little awareness of what it will take and how long it will take to recover in that unfortunate event. We have misalignments with institutions ever-changing business needs and the time that it takes our IT department to meet those technology prerequisites, whether they be hindered by previous technical debt or just things that we haven't started to build out yet. And then lack of interoperability, data integration, merging patient privacy and cybersecurity mandates, the list for CIOs and CTOs does go on and on. My thought is if you don't wanna have a data center failure, then don't run on-premise data centers, migrate to the cloud. Let's be very clear, the cloud is not new. The cloud is well-established, the cloud is secure. The, the cloud has fast network throughput. It will not create latency for your medical you know, IT systems. And by all measures, if done well, the cloud is magnitudes less expensive. To, to give an example, um, if you wanna take a third-party application that connects to your EHR, let's say it has four to six servers, it's running Windows Server, has a SQL data tier, is published through .NET, has an interface engine, let's say it has several terabytes of storage. You can bring that up into the cloud for about eighteen dollars to $21,000 a year. And that system will have full business continuity with an active, active SQL configuration between two availability zones in AWS, fault tolerant for DR in a second region, uh, embedded in a full stack of cybersecurity tool sets. And that lift and shift can be done uh, in days, and as you get more practice at it, you know, in hours. Um, about 30 days ago, my institution was faced with kind of a nightmare scenario. The main chemistry instrumentation in our lab broke, and it broke beyond repair. The, the replacement parts for that chemistry lab automation were weeks away. Thankfully, the lab had purchased new appliances but the go live to put that on the automation line was about six months away. And we hadn't built or even designed any infrastructure at that point. So I got a call from that hospital's leadership and, and the lab director at about 10 that morning, kind of panicking saying, we need infrastructure for this because of the 20,000 plus results we do a day, we're gonna have to manually result them. And that's going to back up the emergency department and scheduled surgeries and anyone else that would come into the hospital. And they were having discussions at, at leadership about whether or not they needed the ED to go on bypass and cancel surgeries and cancel appointments. 
And if you're a safety net hospital in a major city, that's going to create safety issues. Um, our AWS infrastructure is infrastructure as code. We can provision infrastructure, um, I don't want to say in minutes, but certainly less than, than hours. So we took the original call at 10. We got on the call with the vendor at about 10.30, and we negotiated a server architecture that was consistent with our reference uh, points of business continuity, disaster recovery, backup, modern OSs. At noon, we gave the team non-production infrastructure. Um, and the team was running test labs through this new appliance in the automation line. The servers hosted in AWS. And by four that night, six hours for the original call, we were now live on this new chemistry automation in our lab. We didn't have to cancel a single surgery. We didn't have to make a large capital investment. We didn't have to wait for the supply chain of things to get racked and stacked in our data center. Um, and we think that saved lives. We certainly maintain the quality of care uh, and the frictionless experience we're, we're striving at, at Tufts Medical Center. Ryan, truly appreciate the, the the example there. I think it's very illustrative um, in terms of how this can support um, individuals, your, yourself, your team, and patients, of course. But with the with the next question, I want to zero in even further on how digital transformation in the context of this conversation uh, really affects the workforce. Ryan, can you can you talk more about how technology can support healthcare workers? Are there any other specific examples of this you can share with our listeners? You know, I, I think we all have more examples than we want to admit, um, but one does come to mind. We went live on the new AHR hosted in AWS uh, April 2nd of 2022 at about two in the morning. Um, like all big systems, you have a, a several hundred person command center and we're all sharing donuts and slapping each other on the back that everything is going well. And we're working through the normal issues of user access or something isn't printing to the right printer or a label printer isn't printing out a label, the right orientation, things like that. However, about seven o'clock, uh, an influx of calls started to come into the command center and patients were showing up for their infusion visits, but the uh, people receiving them in the clinics didn't have corresponding infusion orders. And so 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock, they were being turned away. So, you know, you have an individual that perhaps is going through cancer, you know, chemotherapy treatment, they show up to infusion, the practice says we don't have your orders, and that's a very upsetting thing to have happen. And those orders can't just be pulled off of a shelf come to find out that there were several million records that had yet to be converted into the new electronic records. So when the patient showed up for their infusion visit, they didn't have a registration to match the order. And that was the, the problem. The vendor that provided us that conversion solution didn't anticipate that we were gonna have 30 million legacy patient records that needed to be converted from the 2 a.m. go live to the 7 a.m. start of the clinic day and infusion clinics. So the server specifications we got 
we're only able to do about 7,000 records an hour, which is a lot, but our backlog, it would have taken 190 days. So, you know, it's Saturday morning, seven o'clock and then eight o'clock and then nine o'clock. There were, I don't know the total number, but about a thousand patients that would have gone to infusion. And of course, you know, magnitudes more than that on Monday morning. So the CIO uh, uh, walked over Dr. Shafiq Rob and asked the team to work with the vendor to see what could be done. Well, in an on-premise world, there, we would have put the burden back on the care team, fax orders or make emergency plans or whatever, but we were in the cloud. The cloud is scalable. The cloud is elastic. So we took the underlying infrastructure for this conversion software and we simply vertically scaled up the EC2 instances to be close to 20 times more capable from a processor, memory, network card, uh, and others' perspective. And then we were able to bring that backload of those 30 million patient conversions from 190 days to four days. So 98% improvement on the velocity of that. And the cost difference was $31,000. We ran that you know, uh, high capacity for six days. Um, it costs us an additional $31,000, but not a single clinical appointment uh, had to be canceled because the corresponding orders weren't there. So the institution needed something. The IT department was able to respond close to immediate without bankrupting or causing downtimes. And then our goal at the end is to have an equitable and frictionless healthcare experience. And we were able to do that because we were in the AWS cloud. Thank you, Ryan. Wonderful examples there. Very specific. And your examples throughout this conversation have been really illustrative. Tim, I want to give you some space here, perhaps just to react to what Ryan shared. Uh, It's grounded in the experience of of people, um, staff, patients, uh, even even the financial results there. Tim, can you just talk about what you're seeing as it relates to the example Ryan just shared there? Yeah, absolutely. So quite a bit of the discussion that we've been having has been around the core IT infrastructure, and it's absolutely mission critical in, in healthcare, along with the heavy reliance on enterprise applications. And as I mentioned before, the, the migration to the cloud, it's the perfect time to refine business processes and practices to drive operational efficiencies. And I'm seeing many healthcare organizations use the, that migration as the catalyst to change and how they can operate differently. And as they begin to make that change, they're looking to do things differently. And one of the things that I, that I see starting to change in healthcare is how these healthcare organizations are looking to procure their enterprise applications or technology solutions quickly and differently. And I'd suggest that organizations take a look at AWS Marketplace to procure the solutions quickly, deploy them rapidly, and improve the the time to benefit and the the value that they get from these. In fact, um, Ryan, you had recently shared an example with me where you had a, a business need and you were able to identify something in, in Marketplace. Could you share that example with our listeners here? Sure. 
We've been using the AWS marketplace to centralize our, our uh, IT purchases for software and for professional services about mm, 14 months now. Um, we've run about 15 million through the AWS marketplace. And, and here's why. Um, if I'm an IT leader and a architect comes to me and they say, I need this software, that's a challenging thing to ask because of the time. In a traditional procurement world uh, in healthcare IT, you uh, contact your vendor or reseller, you schedule a meeting, um, you then do a discovery call, then you get quote, the quote is expensive, and then you have to align it to a cost center, you have to then do a purchase requisition, then a purchase order. That is not something that gets done in an hour. That's something that is weeks. Um, if I wanna make a purchase on the first of a month, it's probably not until six weeks before the vendor can give me licenses for a software that I wanna purchase. So we talked earlier, how does an IT department stay in sync with the current minute by minute needs of the organization? Well, procurement is one of the things that keeps healthcare IT departments from being in sync. Um, we had an example not too long ago where we had to provision 28 servers in AWS um, within about four days. Um, and we're always looking to do things in the cloud, less expensive, but higher quality. This vendor was asking for um, you know, high uh, terabytes, but eventual petabytes of data. And that's an expensive proposition on-premise or in the cloud. In order to meet our budget targets, we wanted to see if instead of using tra the traditional storage in AWS, elastic block storage or EBS, we wanted those objects that the vendor solution was going to store be in a simple storage service or S3 buckets. And the advantage of AWS S3 buckets is you can tier them. You have super fast storage and it costs you so many fractions of a penny, or you can tier it for things that are infrequently accessed, or AWS will even tell you intelligent tiering, and it makes it fractions less uh, than you would normally. But we didn't have the software to have a Windows operating system have a path drive to go to an S3 bucket. Um, in an on-premise world, we couldn't do it in time to meet this timeline. But we went into the AWS marketplace. We found four vendors that had SaaS-based solutions that had uh, existing APIs in AWS. We were able to procure two, test both with just a one-month commitment, and then meet the timeline. And by having that just-in-time procurement model with the AWS marketplace, we decreased our storage costs 80% as compared to EBS volumes to S3 buckets. I, I don't know the numbers of what it would have been for on-premise storage, but three petabytes of on-premise storage is sometimes cost inhibitive uh, for an institution to bear in an unbudgeted sense. So we continue to go to the marketplace simply because we can do it quick, we can do it uh, efficiently, and then we can get those solutions in the hands of the engineers that need them 
at the time that the institution needs that to be served. And on the back end, uh, those purchases are added to our AWS invoice. And when they hit my accounting unit, then I tell the accounts payable department what um, cost center or what PO to go to. And it, it's simplified uh, procurement across the board. Oh, that, that's wonderful, Great. Ryan. Thank, thanks for sharing that story. And I, I, really, I really like hearing how Marketplace allowed you to purchase something in hours or, you know, days opposed to weeks. And because of that rapid, you know, procurement cycle and the ability to, you know, get those in, it allowed you to keep your projects essentially on track where you would have been in a mode of having to delay activities because you just didn't have something that you needed to be able to support your projects out there. So I appreciate you sharing that story. Echoing Tim here, I, I think just the, the the concrete example shared throughout this conversation will be really beneficial uh, for, for listeners. I, I, I greatly appreciate it. I, I do think it's important to also acknowledge that, though, that the driving innovation in this environment is probably pretty intimidating um, or, or feels intimidating to some folks listening to this. So, so I'm curious here what it, what advice each of you would give to listeners at organizations that might be in those nascent stages of, of, of digital transformation or or their innovation journey, however we want to frame that. Uh, you know, you know, how can they best determine where to begin, how to get started? Uh, Ryan, let's hear from you first. I wish I had a more nuanced answer to this or a more sophisticated answer to this. Uh, and here's why I say that. When I joined the Tufts Medicine team under Dr. Rob's leadership, who's the executive vice president and the system CIO, the decision had been made uh, to have a system-wide implementation of an EHR and have that EHR and its tightly coupled applications in the AWS cloud. So that decision was made. When I came onto the team, um, I think the institution looked at uh, this being the riskiest part of our digital transformation being in the cloud because no one had ever done it before. We're the first hospitals we kind of talked about before to put our EHR and business continuity and disaster recovery and everything up in the cloud. Um, it was a non-event. Um, we were never over budget. We didn't miss any timelines. There were no rescue SOWs from third-party consultant companies to come in and save us. So I don't have any dramatic advice. It's not uh, tremendously complicated to bring things into the cloud. When you work out your networking uh, through a direct connect up into AWS that solves your, your latency needs, then it's just a different hosting location. You're still building Windows or Linux-based servers in the cloud using the same expertise you have with your, your server engineers. If I were to be able to go back though, you don't know what you don't know, I would have spent some more time on the reference architecture that we were eventually going to achieve. So AWS has these incredible landing zones through AWS org and AWS control tower that then put guardrails and inherited controls to everything that you built. So AWS has automated patching, automated backups, 
automated malware detection, uh, automated you know, DDoS protection. Well, if you wanna do that at scale and velocity, you can do that by making sure the foundational build of AWS allows for that downstream automation and capability. So I would have spent more time on my tagging strategy on AWS org and landing zone. The other thing is we approached about 120 different vendors to say, we'd like to host your infrastructure in the cloud. There was only one situation where a vendor wasn't able to come up into the cloud and that was for fetal monitoring. They needed to have that server actually in the maternal fetal unit, which completely made sense. But for the rest of it, those 120 um, vendors, there were no technology barriers in bringing them up. But here's what I would have wanted to do a little bit different. Had we had reference architecture to give to the vendor to say, this is how we want you to um, scale your EC2s or your storage or have active, active, highly available configurations, it would have gone smoother. Um, instead, we're used to receiving technical architecture of a vendor and then trying to make that work. So we want to flip the pyramid. We want us as a customer to give requirements to vendors to meet and then partner with them to architecture to make sure it's fault tolerant, disaster recovery resistant, ransomware proof to whatever degree you can do that. So I would have done those things differently. Thank you, Ryan. And Tim, what would you add here? So over the last 36 months, so this includes, you know, obviously time before I joined AWS, I've been hosting a lot of CIO discussions. And in talking with the CIOs, I typically recommend that they evaluate their existing portfolio of applications and determine where those applications are at in their life cycle because there's really no one approach for a cloud migration out there and digital transformation. It's unique to every organization. So most begin their planning process, taking a look at their core applications, such as their ERP, their EHR, the third party or the, the supporting applications for those, along with their interface engine sitting down, determining the versions, the product dependencies, and map out your existing portfolio and your core applications and determine the timeline that you wanna bring each of those into the cloud. As you're purchasing new solutions, develop that cloud first strategy out there. Look to you know, anything that you buy new, how can you just deploy that in the cloud right now and accelerate that, that movement? And then drive operational efficiencies with the cloud migration, like I've mentioned before. And then lastly, look into um, AWS Marketplace to procure those solutions quickly, deploy rapidly, and reduce the time to value there. Excellent. Well, well, Brian, Tim, it's been a pleasure walking through this conversation with you. We've done a really, we set out to sort of unpack digital transformation at the front of this. I think we've done a, we've done our duty here with some really specific concrete examples and really unpacking the, the power of cloud technology and healthcare. Before we sign off, I just, just want to ask if there are any additional closing thoughts you really want to make sure you leave our audience with today. Ryan, let's begin with, with you and then, then Tim, you can close us out. Sure. 
if you want to improve healthcare IT by going to the AWS public cloud, I suggest taking a greenfield approach. Resist the temptation to repeat on-premise mentality in your cloud platform. In short, uh, adopt a cloud culture. Uh, this culture is characterized by a mindset of agility, flexibility, innovation, and it's a high focus on business outcome. Um, you want to be a business enabler, uh, if you will. It encourages experimentation and it encourages teams to try new things and fail fast and learn and improve. In my experience, this is different than being on-prem. Seldom do we allow engineers to experiment on the best solution for the institution because timelines to deploy come from above and we don't give them those opportunities. The cloud allows for that. The cloud culture promotes collaboration uh, and communication across teams from your infrastructure teams to your application teams to the clinical teams and our healthcare environments. Um, it also promotes the use of data and, and analytics to make decision-making specific to business outcomes, whether that's resiliency, whether that's cost, whether that's security measures uh, through high trust certifications or the like. Um, your cloud culture should prioritize security, uh, compliance, risk management, and you should embed these practices in everything the team does. This means that security and compliances aren't the afterthoughts, but they're built into the culture and the technology and the services uh, from the start. I guess in summary, a cloud culture is a culture of innovation, collaboration, data-driven uh, decision-making, uh, and it's focused on delivering the business outcomes and empowering teams to move faster and to be more productive. Thank you, Ryan. And Tim, what would you add here? You know, I, I would just like to add in, evaluate your short and your long-term business needs and where your organization's at in your cloud journey. Leverage the cloud, AWS, and the AWS partners with industry-specific solutions to reduce cost, enable scale, and provide a platform for innovation. When migrating to the cloud, let's align together around business outcomes, focus both on immediate and long-term needs. We'd love for AWS to be your partner on this journey, and we appreciate you listening today. I just want to share one final thank you to Tim and Ryan. Uh, truly appreciate both, you, both your time today and, and the thoughtful responses. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Brian. Thanks, Brian. And thank you, Ryan, for joining today as well. I'd also like to thank AWS for sponsoring this episode. You can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page.